thousands of husbands, wives, sons, and daughters are converted by the Watchtower Society, convinced that it is God's organization. As Christians, we must help Jehovah's Witnesses look at the truth about the organization they trust so much and help their families learn to witness effectively to their loved ones. David Reed believes the best way to do this is to help the witness learn how the Watchtower Society has shared false prophecies, changed doctrine, and has misled followers to their harm. We need to help Jehovah's Witnesses learn this organization is not a reliable guide to follow. Today, again, my guest is David Reed, author of How to Rescue Your Loved Ones from the Watchtower. He's a farmer Jehovah's Witness. He was an elder and presiding overseer while a witness for 13 years. Today, we'll continue discussing his book that shares advice about how to reach your family member, plan your strategy, collect convincing evidence, and use techniques that work and present that material effectively. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks again, David Reed, for being our guest today on Family Shield. I learned a lot last week as we began talking about your book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. Today, we'll continue that discussion, and uh, it is part two of our two-part series. So last week, we talked about how you and your wife left the Watchtower Society. And uh, can you just kind of summarize some of the other things we touched on kind of from your book, from the very beginning to the end of chapter three, I would say we touched on that. If you would, just a summary for our listeners. Sure. Well, we talked about why we need to rescue a loved one who's in the Jehovah's Witness organization. And that's because primarily they're being led away from Christ. The organization takes Christ's place. Uh, it makes itself the channel of communication from God. Uh, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. But the Watchtower says, no one comes to God except through their organization. So it's really a false Christ, and the witnesses tell people that Jesus is just an angel, the first angel God created. And so it deprives people of a saving relationship with the Son of God. So that's very important. And then the Watchtower organization also is a cult from a sociological standpoint because it, it controls the thinking of people who belong to it. It cuts them off from outsiders, uh, tells them word for word, do not uh, engage in independent thinking, avoid independent thinking. And uh, it imprisons people in a way that they're under the Watchtower's uh, command to cut off their relatives, to deny a blood transfusion to a child, uh, to do various things that the organization tells them to do that are very contrary to the well-being of individuals and their families. So we need to rescue people from that organization. The problem is that the organization tells, you that, tells uh, their followers that anybody who comes and tries to show them that it's wrong and that they should get out is being sent by the devil. So you need to develop a strategy where you can get around that uh, and take them off guard, not lie to them, not say anything false, not make a pretense, but uh, ask them questions instead of confronting them. You could go up to them with a photocopy 
that shows the watchtower used to uh, believe in certain things and doesn't believe in them anymore, and say, look, here's proof that it's not God's organization, because God's truth doesn't change. Well, if you say, here's proof that it's not God's organization, they're going to back off, they're going to say, mm-hmm. the elders are going to tell them, don't talk to you anymore. If you go up with the same photocopy and show it to them and say, what do you think about this? Uh, do they still teach this? Then they're not putting up their guard against you, saying, whoa, whoa, I don't want to listen to you, you're leading me away. You're just sort of challenging them and getting them to think. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you need to do is follow the strategy that will get them to think. Great. Get them to think. Ask good questions. As uh, an example, Jesus asked good questions, didn't he, David? Exactly. Jesus' method of teaching was often to uh, say to a crowd, what do you think? And then he would go ahead and give a parable, and people would get a lesson from the parable. So Jesus gives us a good example of how you can get people to think by asking questions. Great. So chapter four is techniques that work, and we barely touched on this last week, so I want to flush it out. A couple things you say in it. Go slowly. Don't throw everything you've learned at them in one setting. And, oh, you know, when we do all this study, uh, I'm a Christian that witnessed for the first time to a Jehovah's Witness back in 1981. We've studied. We know all this stuff. We feel like we want to tell them everything we know, but that's a mistake, isn't it? Yes, if if you catch if you catch a family member very early when they've had one or two meetings with the Jehovah's Witnesses, you can do that. You can show them, uh, give them both barrels. Just show them all the evidence against the organization. Say, stay away from it. But once somebody has begun to get sucked into the organization and started to adopt Jehovah's Witness thinking, then you don't dare do that. And if you come up to them with a pile of papers and say, "Here, let me show you why the Watchtower is wrong." they're going to be backing off immediately and saying, I can't look at that. But if you do come up with a piece of paper and say, well, you know, what do you think about this? Take a look at that. The Watchtower said the world was going to end in 1975. Did they really say that? Could you check on your uh, Kingdom Hall library? Mm-hmm. Then they might, they might uh, be more willing to listen, and, and you can have another conversation with them. It doesn't stop right there. You know, God's Word, and you know this, David, talks about what is a true prophet and a false prophet in Deuteronomy. I think it's 18. He says, a true prophet of God will not make one mistake. But the Watchtower Society has proclaimed themselves to be God's prophet on earth today, but they've made a lot of predictions that did not come true. Can you talk just briefly about a couple of those? Well, it started right out with the foundation of the Watchtower, Charles Taze Russell, who started the Watchtower magazine in the 1800s. He was preaching that the world was going to end in 1914. And then when the world didn't end in 1914, they recalculated, came up with 1918, and the world didn't end in 1918. Uh, Then his successor, Judge Rutherford, said that the world was going to end in 1925, and that didn't happen. And then when I studied with Jehovah's Witnesses back uh, in the very beginning in the 1960s, they were saying 1975 would be the end of the world. And then after that, they dropped back and said the generation that saw 1914 would not pass away. And of course, those people would be more than 100 years old now. So they've had a whole series of false prophecies. And they definitely fit the description of a false prophet that the Bible warns against. 
they really do. And and but most people don't even know what what does that mean, you know, what's a true prophet and what's a false prophet. Thank you so much for sharing this. I have uh, the book, The Time Is at Hand, um, that predicted the end of the world in 1914. I found it at a garage sale for 10 cents. Um, and, you know, it's something I take with me when I talk to people because, and you talk about this in your book, is that they don't want to look at Christian material that's apologetic or defending the faith, but they will look at real publications that the Watchtower Society did. Talk a little bit about that, David. Yes, it's very important to show them things that they're willing to look at. Uh, they, they believe that even Christian Bible translations are false and from the devil, but their own organization's publications they're much more likely to look at. And you can show them a whole history of doctrinal changes. You know, the truth doesn't change, God's Word doesn't change, but the Watchtower has changed its teaching every time a new individual came uh, as president of the organization, and every time a different group got the upper hand. And so you can show them a lot of their doctrinal changes. The problem is that the organization has told them the light keeps getting brighter, God keeps showing us new things, and that's why we change our teachings. So that's why it's very important to show them doctrinal flip-flops by the Watchtower, where they've taught one thing for a number of years and then said, well, that's wrong, and this is the truth now. And then they've changed again after a few years and got back to the old teaching, saying, no, that this is the truth. And that just shows that it's not a case of the light getting brighter. It's not God showing them more. It's really a political thing. It's it's, you could almost compare it to what happens in politics when the Democrats control the White House and set up certain policies, and then they get booted out in an election. The Republicans come in, they set up their policies, and those are good for an administration. Then they get booted out, and the Democrats come back in and put their policies back in. And that's what has happened at the headquarters of the Watchtower over the years. And that's why Watchtower history is so important in getting a witness out if they can begin to see that the changes in teaching are due to political changes at the top of their organization, then they can realize, wow, this is a human organization. This is, this is not God's channel of communication, which it claims to be. Mm-hmm. So you talked about some teachings or flip-flops. Give just a couple examples, maybe related to medical issues. Yeah, medical flip-flops are very crucial because they affected people's lives. Yes. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses began teaching uh, in 19... Uh, in, well, they began teaching shortly after I became a witness that you could not have an organ transplant. And before that, they had no objection to it, but then they began teaching that it was wrong to uh, have a cornea transplant or a kidney transplant mm. because God prohibited it. And so there were witnesses who died refusing transplants to, I had a Jehovah's Witness elder who wrote to me that he said someone in my congregation refused a cornea transplant and went blind. Well, the problem is then in 1981, the organization returned to its old teaching and began to, or 1980 rather, they returned to their old teaching and began to say you could have a transplant. So that flip-flop left some witnesses dead, left some blind. Uh, then there was also the one of the things that helped my wife and me to wake up to the fact that it was a false organization was their flip-flops on how to treat people that they have expelled from the organization. Oh. For many years, 
They said you could not talk to them. You couldn't even say hello to them. And we had a dear friend whose daughter was a grown woman, but she hadn't talked to her daughter in more than 10 years because mm-hmm. the organization said she's disfellowshipped. You can't talk to her. Mm-hmm. Then the organization came out about 1974 and said, Jesus wouldn't teach people that way. We're, we wouldn't treat people that way. We're, we're getting a, a more light from God that he wants us to be loving to our family members. And she was allowed to talk to her daughter again. Well, that went on until 1981. And then the organization went back to the old teacher and said, no, you can't talk to them if they're out of the organization. And so she had to cut off her daughter again. And we began to realize this organization is like playing Simon Says, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the little children's game, Simon Says This, and you do this, Simon Says Mm -hmm. That, and you do that. So their doctrines flip-flop back and forth as the leadership changes in the organization. Now, today they still are against blood transfusions, though, and that's been many years. Many children and adults have died because they've refused blood transfusions. Talk for a minute about that. Yes, well, the organization's first uh, doctrine on medicine was uh, had to do with vaccinations. Back in the 1930s, they prohibited Jehovah's Witnesses from having vaccinations. And then after a few years in the 1950s, they said, oh, no, it's okay. The Bible doesn't say anything about vaccinations. And so then they flip-flopped, as I mentioned, about organ transplants. And then they came up with a new doctrine about not taking a blood transfusion. And as a result, Jehovah's Witnesses by the thousands have died refusing a blood transfusion. And so, it's again, it's a, it's a doctrine that's just made up by the organization uh, they'll point to certain verses and take them out of context in the Bible about not eating blood. Uh, but that was part of the kosher diet of the Jews, and it was part of the instructions that was given to Noah after the flood about not eating blood. But that's very different from using blood as a, a medical tool. Uh, but the fully indoctrinated witness, we knew witnesses personally who had loved ones die because they refused uh, to take blood transfusions, and the watchtower could reverse that policy at any point. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the witnesses would say, oh, now we can do it. It's, you know, it's God speaking to us through the organization. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to, again, make some announcements, and then we're going to come back, continue talking to David Reed about his book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. Uh, Family Shield cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. Thanks for listening. Today, Family Shield is giving away several of our counter-cult ministry tracks, including Whom Can You Trust?, which shares some false prophecies of the Watchtower Society, what book or resource of the Watchtower they were taken from, and how you can respond. To request the complimentary tracks, there are five of them, call the Family Shield Response Center at one 877 2508416 or you can email us at witness to family at gmail.com. That's witness to to family at gmail.com. We also want to recommend that you get a copy of David Reed's book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. Excellent advice. And I would just encourage anyone that has a loved one involved to get a copy of this book. And we will be featuring that book on our website 
And I'll also be attached or or connected to our podcast so you can find it easily. We invite your prayers and support of our ministry. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support us. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call them 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you do that. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Now, I want to again go back to my guest, David Reed, uh, author of How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. And again, this is part two of a two-part series with uh David, and uh, it's been fascinating and interesting. I want to go back. We kind of jumped around, but what we talked about prior to the announcements was really important. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about what tools to use. That's chapter five of your book. Why do we have so much trouble when we try to show a Jehovah's Witness what the Bible says? And don't they believe the Bible alone is sufficient to make a person wise for salvation? Well, they will give lip service to that. They have written on one of the side of one of their buildings in New York that they used to use for a factory, uh, read the Bible daily. But wit- And witnesses appear to know the Bible because they'll turn to various proof texts. Mm-hmm. But actually, the typical Jehovah's Witness does not read the Bible. They read certain passages in the Bible that the Watchtower points out to them and interprets a certain way for them, but they're given so many books to read by the organization that they don't read the Bible itself. Even some of the Jehovah's Witness elders I knew had never read the Bible itself. Uh, but you can use the Bible to show them things and do it, though, with the understanding that they're going to put the Watchtower's interpretation on the verse that you show them, unless you can get them to really think about uh, what it says. If you do want to take them into the Bible, though, you can read with them Romans chapter 8, where it talks about being born again, because they believe that only their 144,000 uh, fall into that category. Uh, you can get them to think about whether this applies to them, because Romans chapter 8 also says that if you don't have Christ's Spirit, you don't belong to Him, and that would introduce a conflict in the witness's mind. But for the most part, you can't play Bible ping-pong and get very far Mm -hmm. with a Jehovah's Witness. You need to undermine the organization itself, and you need to start using some photocopies from Watchtower literature to do that. And that's why I provide so many of those photocopies in the uh, book, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. And and it's done in such a way that you don't have any of your writing in there. They can copy that piece in your book, and it's actually just a photograph uh, of something that they had. So there's no way that they would realize it's coming from your publication. Is that correct? That's right. In fact, you can even go to my online version of How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower at my website, answerjw.com, and you could actually print out those pages on Good. directly from the Internet. Wonderful. So, and... Um, but you can always ask a witness, somebody gave me this uh, photocopy from one of your publications. Could you check it in mm. your Kingdom Hall library and Good. see if it really says that? And get them to think about it. And that way they don't feel quite as threatened by it when you show it to them. 
Absolutely. So why should we ask Jehovah's Witnesses to read the Bible verses we're discussing out loud? Well, reading them out loud can help them to realize what it actually says. And you can also take them to the verses before and after uh, the verse that you're looking at, because they're typically given verses out of context. But what you need to remember is that the Jehovah's Witnesses use the New World Translation of the Bible that the Watchtower produced. And in that translation, they've actually made about 250 changes in the New Testament to take the deity of Christ out of the New mm. Testament. Yeah. And so you have to be very careful getting them to look at uh, a Bible verse, because it might be a Bible verse that the Watchtower has already twisted for them in their own Bible. I've always had them be willing to look at my translation as well. But you, you said earlier that they're warned against other biblical Bible translations. I did not know that. Yes, they put on a pretense of being willing to listen, being willing to think, and being willing to look at your Bible. But they really don't believe that your Bible is valid. They believe the only valid translation is, is the one that they have that the Watchtower gave them. Very interesting. So one of the other things you say in your book is go slowly. Um, and you, I said earlier, you don't want to throw everything at them at once. But um, when you say go slowly, what do you mean and why is that so important? Well, the witnesses are trained not to listen to you preach to them. They're trained not to listen to anyone give them a Christian viewpoint. They think that they are the only ones who are really qualified to teach you. And so they'll, they'll be happy to have a discussion with you if they think that they're teaching you. So if you start with a whole um, program of material, you want to go from this to this to this to this to this that you're showing them, then they very quickly get the point that you're trying to teach them. But if you just bring something up in a conversation, if this is a relative of yours especially, and just ask them about something and then get them to think about it, let it drop, and and bring something else up at another opportunity, you're more likely to be able to continue to have those conversations. Whereas if you try to do a whole lot all at once, they're going to think, ooh, I better not listen to this person. They're trying to get me away from the witnesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good. That's, that's great. Now, um, where what I've always said is we can reach them in two ways. You may disagree with this. One is to pray for them because prayer is powerful. God answers our prayers and to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ because God's word said it is the power of God for salvation. And the other way I always say is, and I try to tell them to do both, is to crack the organization. But um, you really push, and I love the point that you can't really reach them unless they stop trusting in their organization to be God's organization. And I think that makes good sense. Um, yes, that's true. And, 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 you know, I do encourage answering them from the Bible. The first sure, sure. book that I wrote was Jehovah's Witnesses Answered Verse by Verse. By verse. verse. That's one of them I had, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does give a verse-by-verse verse answer to right. each one of their beliefs. Right. Yeah, there's so much. That's right. So I want to jump now because our time's going to be up. You also talk in your book toward the end about providing an alternative, because if we only crack the organization and don't share Jesus Christ with them and the message of the gospel, 
um, or connect them to Christians or a Christian congregation that will disciple them. Uh, it's difficult. Talk a little bit about providing an alternative for the witness, let's say, that has begun to realize that the organization is false. Where do they go from here? Well, yes, that's very true. I've seen people leave the witness organization and just drift off into nowhere and and, uh, live very unhappy lives. But they need Jesus, and they need the true gospel. And that's what was the blessing with my wife and myself, is that it was reading the Bible that got us out, and it was desire to follow Jesus that showed us we couldn't really keep following the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. One of the most effective ways you can do that is to share your personal testimony with the Jehovah's Witness. If you talk about what Jesus has done for you, how real Jesus is in your life, they really can't answer that, mm-hmm. because to the Jehovah's Witness, Jesus is somebody that they read about in a book, and God is someone they read about in a book. But if you let them know the power of prayer, that you can pray to God and you've received answers, and that you've asked Jesus for things and he's actually done things in your life, they have a very difficult time dealing with that. In fact, as a witness, I began to hear somebody telling me that sort of thing, and I thought, wow, they almost sound like they're living like the first century disciples. Uh-huh. Here I am just reading about them. <laughs> and so yeah, that can have a powerful effect, and they, they really need to be directed to Jesus and to the Bible as the answer, not to some organization. Right, right. And you can tell them, I want to bring you to a Christian church. This sure, is where we sure. fellowship. But the true church is written in heaven. Yep. And Jesus is our Savior, not the church building or the church organization. You bet. We have less than two minutes left, David. So again, let me just ask you, what else do our listeners need to uh, know in that short period of time that you want to share with them? Well, two things. One is don't be discouraged if it appears that there's no progress being made, because the witnesses are afraid to tell you, oh, you may have a point, oh, you're getting me to think, Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Because if they do that, they're showing a lack of faith in their organization. If another witness found out that they said things like that, they could be put on trial for it. And disfellowship, eventually. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're afraid to show any indication that what you're doing is making progress with them. The other thing is watch out for yourself. If a witness tries to get you to sit down with them and one of their elders or a couple of their elders, don't do it, because they are very, very well trained. Uh, and they're, it'd be like you, you being a good guy and you step into a boxing ring with a professional fighter. Our time is up. David, sorry about that. Um, I I want to just again mention my guest has been David Reed, How to Rescue Your Loved One from the Watchtower. Great information was shared. This is part two of a two-part series with our guest and author. And uh, we pray that you will continue to share the Christ of the Bible with those you know, even Jehovah's Witnesses. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. 
and tune in again next week for Family Shield. 